0: Welcome. If you're watching online, we love our online community. Do you know, every single week we get testimonies coming in from our online community of people being healed, people getting um, saved, people, uh, you know, really getting the promises of God coming to you, to, to you wherever you are. And no matter where you are in the world right now, we just want to say we so value you joining us. And um, don't we love our online community? Come on, why don't we just. Shout these guys out. Feels like everybody's had a wedding anniversary. That was awesome. That was like an auction of wedding anniversaries. Who's got 20? Give me 20, 29, 45, 60, you know? That was awesome. So if you're not married, well, you know what to do. Well, but it's great to have you in church today. We're excited. And um, you know, today we're starting a new series called I Did It On Purpose. Can you turn to the person next to you and say, I did it on purpose. I think most of the time, most of the time in life, most of the time in life, what I hear is the opposite. I didn't do it on purpose. You punched your sister. I didn't do it on purpose. I have always been fairly, um, like, fairly a purposeful person. Like, I always, I've been quite an earnest and, and serious person, you know? I think it's part of my lineage of being English. You know, I'm quite focused and I wanna have purpose in my life. And uh, when I was in university, the first uh, university tutorial that I went to, I'd just been getting involved with City Church, which is a rise Church, and I was getting really inspired coming along to church and purpose was just so in me. So we got into this tutorial, the first tutorial we ever had, and there was about 14 people sitting around in this tutorial, and the tutor says, so why don't you tell us your name and why you're here today? So I'm like, I'm a leader, you know? Like I'm up for this, I'm ready. So I said, well, my name's Ben, and I actually believe that we're here by God and for God. We're here to make a difference in the world. And you know when you feel every ounce of blood in your body just rush into your head? And every eye in the room come onto you? That was that moment. And the lecturer honestly said, this is what he did. He went, cool, 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 (laughs) cool. And then on to the next person, no word of a lie. Next person said, hi, my name's Robert. And um, I'm actually in this class to make up 24 credits. to.'" Next person, no joke, next person didn't even know that it was a history shoot. They thought it was a psychology tutorial and they were in the wrong place. Do your life on purpose, people. But so often in life, we can be bumbling through our lives thinking, oh, I didn't do it on purpose. But actually, God has a plan for our lives that we would get to the end of our days. We would get to the end of our lives And even right now in the middle of our lives, we would say, I did it on purpose. I did it on purpose. Do you know that there's not one person hearing my voice today, whether you're watching online or in this room, that doesn't have a purpose from God on your life. You're not making up the numbers. You're not the last person to get picked. You have a gift that is in you that is designed to make a difference in the lives of other people. You are ordained, you are God's masterpiece, you can make a difference. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. Acts 17 verse 26, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Ephesians 2 verse 10, oh, you're gonna get some scripture today. (laughs) Ephesians 2 verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love this one, Psalm 139 verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. God has a design for glorious living. We are ordained, we have purpose, we can make a difference. And especially at the start of the year, don't we? We hit the start of the year, start of a new decade. I don't know about you, but personally, I'm just glad to be into the 20s because of the ambiguity of what, what the last decade actually was. Like you, the teens or it wasn't even that because you start with 11 and 12. So we're into the 20s now. And we start, with, we start with aspirational goals. And we start with saying, I wanna live. Inherently, we have a drive towards purpose. We start the year with, I'm going to lose more weight. I'm going to do the one-year Bible. Some of us gave up at Genesis 3, but we you know. Our goal is to have purpose. Our goal is to have purpose. And Rick Warren put it like this. He said, I've read many books that suggest ways to discover the purpose of my life. All of them could be classified as self-help books because they approach the subject from a self-centered point of view. Self-help books, even Christian ones, usually offer the same predictable steps to fulfilling your life's purpose. Consider your dreams, clarify your values, set some goals, figure out what you're good at, aim high, go for it, be disciplined, believe you can achieve your goals, involve others, never give up. Of course, these recommendations often lead to great success. You can usually succeed in reaching a goal if you put your mind to it, but being successful and fulfilling your life's purpose are not at all the same issue. You could reach all of your personal goals, become a raging success by the world standards and still miss the purpose for which God created you. You need more than self-help advice. We need more than self-help, self-help advice. So I thought I'm gonna come up with a definition for what it means to do it on purpose. So are you ready for my definition? I'm gonna give you my definition of what it means to live life on purpose. To do it on purpose means using what I have, where I am, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. Using what I have, where I am, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. Oh, that actually felt quite good. Can you do that with me? Just follow with the hand actions, okay? (laughs) Using what I have, where I am, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. There's about 40% of people doing it. We're going to do it together. (laughs) Using what I have, where I am, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. (laughs) That is what it means to do it on purpose. To use what I have, where I am, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. And I want to talk about that this morning. Does that sound okay? Yeah. Using what I have. The first step towards purpose is discovering and understanding that each one of us has a gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 to 7, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, can you say each one? one. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So each of us has a gift. We have a gift. I'm excited today because we're starting Pathway for the year. Pathway is starting for the year today. And Pathway is a place where you can discover your gifts, you can work out how you can make a difference in your life and outside of door number five today or something like that, out there, out there, you can come to Pathway and discover the gift that's on your life. But you know, one thing that happens at Pathway is that in Pathway, what you think was personality traits, your personality traits, are actually gifts from God. So you walk in there thinking, I'm a bubbly person or I like hospitality, or my heart breaks when I see others in need, or I have a passion to prayer. And you think that's a personality trait, but actually the truth is that that is a gift that the Spirit of God has given to you. So the question comes to us today, if using what I have, my question for us and for your notes for later is, what is in my hands? What is is in my hands. What is it that is in your hands that you are passionate about, that you can do to make a difference in the world? What's in your hands? I don't know about you, but I never think that I have enough in my hands. Before I preach a message, I never think I've got enough content. I never think I've got enough funny stories. You know, I never think that I have enough before I go to do it. I never think that I have enough time. I never think that I have enough money. I never think that I have enough opportunities. I never think that I have enough friends on Instagram to like my posts to boost them so that everybody else will see them. I never, I always think that I've, I don't have enough. And when, but when you look at the Bible, the pattern of the Bible is, yes, God can give us what we need, but most of the time, God uses what we already have. Yes, God can give us what we need, but most of the time, God uses what we already have. Think about Moses. He was looking around for a solution. God said, what's in your hand, Moses? It's a staff. Think about Gideon. There's an army in front of him. Pick up the jawbone of a donkey. You don't have enough money, but you also don't have a jawbone of a donkey, Think about the disciples. There, aren't, there isn't enough food to feed these people. What is it in your hands? David, what was in his hands to bring down Goliath? A sling and five smooth stones. So often in our lives, we limit our purpose because we look at what's in our hands and say, that's insignificant. But the power is not what's in our hands, but what God can do with what is in our hands. That is the power of God that He can multiply what's in our hands. You, you see yourself as a teacher in a high school, you're like, I don't have much, but God can multiply that. You might see yourself as a business owner and you, you, you're like, I don't know, I don't know how to make a difference, but that's what's in your hands and God can multiply it. You know, students that are going back to school tomorrow, hello, parents are happy, let's go. God can multiply what's in your hands. Maybe the miracle is actually not out there. It's actually in here. It's already in your life. The ideas and, and, and what it seems small in your hands is, in, is significant in God's hands. Can I encourage us? Let's look and answer the question, what is in my hands? I don't want to be a person that's always asking for something more when I'm missing what I already have. I have the gift to encourage. I have the gift to welcome others. I have the gift to speak life. I have the gift to do budgets. Hello, I don't have that gift. If you got that gift, come and pray for me afterwards. (laughs) What is in your hand right now? The second thing is, God wants to use what's in your hand where you are. Where are you in your life right now? Now, I'm not talking spiritually. I'm not talking emotionally. I'm actually talking physically. Where are you right now? Because God wants to use you where you are in your life right now. Sometimes with purpose, we're like waiting one day, we're gonna wake up and we're gonna be in the place where my purpose is gonna happen. I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be just like, I'm gonna be awesome, I'm gonna wake up on a stage. But can I encourage you, your workplace, your high school, your life group, your serving on the doors on people care, that is your stage. That is the place where purpose begins. Because purpose is not a destination, purpose is a journey that we go on. Purpose is not a destination, you know, this is so profound, uh, well, it's, When you say something that you're saying is profound, it kind of makes it less profound, but I'm gonna say it anyway. (laughs) You know, the thing is that God speaks to us in dreams and visions. He He speaks to us about the future. He speaks to us in dreams and visions, but he works through seasons. God speaks in dreams and visions, but he works through seasons. The reality is, like think about Joseph. God spoke to Joseph in a dream and said, that you will lead this nation. Your brothers will bow down to you. He had that amazing dream. But Joseph went from receiving a dream and a vision about what his future would be like, to being sold into slavery, abandoned by his brothers, beaten up, accused of, uh, wrongly accused, thrown into prison, And yet through that, David never denied that that wasn't part of his purpose. He said through every season of his life, I'm gonna live with purpose. And let Joseph be an encouragement to us that our season doesn't need to define our purpose, but our purpose can define our season. Our season doesn't need to define our purpose. Maybe you're sick in your body right now. Can I just encourage you? Your season doesn't need to define your purpose. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's a family member that's far from God. Don't let the season define the purpose. Where are you right now? You can live, where, if you're a student, if you're a young mum hey, look, if you're a young mum in this place, you're like, how am I gonna make a difference? How can I live with purpose? Can I just say, you can use that opportunity to make a difference in the life. You can raise your child in the ways of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing privilege. And purpose is not a destination. It's a journey. When um, we had younger children, when our children were young, uh, we had children quite young. In fact, Nine months into our marriage was when we found out that we were pregnant, nine months in. not We didn't have a baby nine months after we got married, okay? Nine months in. But because of that, our holiday destination every year was Whanganui. And we would talk to our friends who were in their mid and early 20s, newly married, happy, and they were going to Fiji on holiday. They were going to Australia and Noosa. They were going to, to, to Italy and South America. They were living the dream and we thought, oh, we were so happy for them. <laughs> and one holiday, one holiday before we, we would have been building up to this holiday, we were so pumped about it, so excited, and on the eve of the holiday, Austin, my son, he got chickenpox. blessing upon blessing. It was awesome. God's got a pro, God's, it's all about the season. So we found ourselves at my parents' house with a small child with chicken pox in Whanganui. That's a trifecta of just <laughs> brilliance. But we said in that moment, we're not, actually, we, I remember sitting down and what we did was we said, we're not gonna let this moment define our purpose. We're not going to let these external things dictate to the fact that we're going to have a great holiday. So we wrote down all of the things that we're going to do in Whanganui. We're going to walk up Jory Hill Tower. We're going to walk around Virginia Lake. We're going to go to the Strawberry Farm. We're going to walk around Virginia Lake. It's going to be awesome. And and we made purpose in the middle of the season. So often in life, we're wanting to be somewhere else, doing something else, but God has got a purpose for our season. Can you say amen this morning? What season are you in? What season are you in? God wants to use you in that season. The thing with, with nowadays is that social media has completely destroyed seasons. Because you look at social media And there's only one season on social media. It's summer. (laughs) It's perpetual summer. So I look at somebody else's social media. I look at Facebook at Instagram. I'm like, I just want to be there. And because we're looking at somebody else's summer, we're neglecting what God is doing in our season of life and missing what God could do in the middle of that season. Can I encourage us to look again at where we are? Look again at your family. Look again at your high school. Look again at your workplace. Use what you have where you are, not where you think you should be. It's only summer on social media, but God wants to use the seasons of our lives. God wants to use what we have, where we are, to make a difference in the world. God has put you on this planet to make a difference in the world. In the world. The Bible says, in, uh, Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Let's change the world. God has put in our hands something, a gift, where we are to change the world. Now, when I say that, change the world, you're like, yeah. Yeah, let's change the world, man. How are we gonna do that? Like we finished summer camp, it's like we're gonna change the world, yeah. But you know what? I thought about it. The world can seem like it's something so vast and so big. But Jesus changed the world. Yeah. Jesus changed the world. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. But Jesus changed the world how? not by focusing on the people that were not in front of him, but actually by focusing on the people that were directly in front of him. His changing the world looked like meeting the needs that were directly in front of him. It looked like seeing the need and meeting it. Mother Teresa said it like this, never worry about the numbers, help one person at a time, and always start with the person nearest you. Who is in, so the question comes to us, what is in our hand? Where am I? But who is in front of me? I've realized that purpose is not gonna come to me. Purpose, come to me. I need you, purpose. Purpose, assemble. It's not gonna come to me. I have to move towards purpose because purpose looks like the people that are in front of me. Changing the world isn't about more preaching, it's about more people getting out there and meeting the needs of the people in front of them. You know, um, at uni I had a friend who I knew had had a faith once, but I was getting involved with City Church back in the day and um, now Arise Church, this was 2003. I was walking through Victoria University and I saw this friend who I knew that I, I, had to invite this guy. I had to share my faith. I, I, I guess I felt like I always had purpose, but have you ever felt like, how do I actually share my faith? Anybody else like that? Oh no, you're all Reinhard Bonkey, Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I found it hard to like, how do I share my faith? How do I say? And I knew this guy. I was going along to church. It was awesome. And, and, and it was really fulfilling, but I knew that I need to share my faith and invite this guy along. So, He was coming through uni and I saw him and we stopped to talk. And, you know, inevitably you just like um, talk about sport, you know, talk about like class. When the conversation dries up, you talk a little bit about, about the weather, you know. And then it inevitably led to me saying, I stumbled out the words. So like, how are you going with your relationship with God? And, you know, it was awkward, super awkward. I've realized that changing the world doesn't ever look like convenient. It looks awkward. It's awkward to change the world. And he said to me like, what everybody says when they get asked how your relationship with God is. They said, yeah, nah, good. <laughs> how are you going with God? Yeah, nah, pretty good actually, yeah. Everybody says that. Everyone says that. Anyway, I share, I'm like, man, you got to come to church because it's amazing, awesome church. Long story short, he ended up coming to church, City Church, to Fire Dance and Drama Center, responding to one of Pastor John's messages, and recommitting his life to God. And he's walking with the Lord even now. In fact, Ben Kendrew is the campus pastor of Arise Church in Christchurch. Now, why am I telling you that story? Because I changed the world, no. I'm not saying it because of that. But we will never know the power of interacting with the people directly in front of us. Can I just say to you today, you, you, you're in a workplace that is, is hard and it's, you know, it's easy for me to say, oh yeah, sharing your faith. But can I just say, if you're generous, If you speak words, if you have a different spirit, if you carry yourself differently, if you speak words of life, like, hey, look, if you're generous, you can be the salt and light that the world needs. You can bring bring out the God flavors. I'm surprised by how many Christians wanna change the world, but they're not kind to people in restaurants. I'm surprised by the number of people that wanna change the world, but they speak badly about other people behind their backs, or they dishonor their parents, ooh. I'm surprised by the number of people that wanna change the world, but they're not focused on the people in front of them. But we can be a people that use what we have, where we are to make a difference in the world. You might not have the right words, you might not have the knowledge, you might not have the vernacular, but you can go in the strength that you have to touch the world around you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says it like this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And this is the key verse. So from now on, we regard regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't regard the fellow teachers that we teach with. We don't regard the students in the classes. We don't regard our colleagues or our family members from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. When we leave this building today, I just pray, We'd be a little bit stirred up to reach the ones that are directly in front of us. The church really is not the, this is not, it's not game day today. We're not on the field right now. This is the locker room. This is where we get together with Jurgen Klopp. By the way, Liverpool are 22 points clear in the league. There's a rising faith in this place, I feel it. I feel a little bit of disunity online, but that's okay. (laughs) But this is the place where we gather. We gather and we hear the message and we get out onto the field and we change the world. Changing the world looks like reaching the person directly in front of us. Can we say amen this morning? So we use what we have, where we are, to make a difference in the world for the kingdom of God. I believe that for the kingdom of God is the most important aspect to do life on purpose. And this is the one thing that we could miss to make it all significant, to to make it insignificant. Because true purpose is found when the end goal is not ourselves. True purpose is found when the end goal is not ourselves. Philippians 2 verse 3 says it like this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking after your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I realized that most of the world does the first three things. They can recognize what's in their hands, they can recognize where they are, and they wanna change the world. But we do it not for the credit for ourselves. We do it for the credit for Jesus. We do it for the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of Ben or the kingdom of Jeff or the kingdom of Fraser. We don't do it for our own kingdom. We do it for his kingdom. We do it for him. You know, the problem with goals at the start of the year is that goals at the start of the year are selfish. They're selfish goals and they're aspirational. Aspira- and, and it's not bad to have aspiration in life. Go out there and have aspiration. But the, the way that the Bible teaches us about Jesus was not to have selfish goals, but to have selfless goals. Not to have aspiration, but to be an inspiration. I'm going to say it again not to have selfish goals, but to have selfless goals. Not to have aspiration, but to have inspiration. Do you know that aspiration looks like getting yourself ahead? But inspiration looks like getting others ahead. The greatest fulfillment we'll have in our lives is when we fulfill the dreams of other people and raise them up. The Bible, Jesus said it like this. I hope it's okay with all the verses today. you have lots of notes to study later on. John chapter 14, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, amen. Amen. God's gonna do whatever you ask in his name. But what we miss so often is the next little parenthesis, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Up until that point, it's aspirational. It's God, you're gonna do something great for me. You're gonna bless my family. You're gonna raise me up in my workplace. But God says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, amen. And that's the X factor. That's what makes it all worth it. You know, today, I just wanna encourage us that we can use what we have. We might see what we've got in our lives as being insignificant. But God said, it's not insignificant in my hands. Where are you right now? What's in your hands? Where, where are you? Who's in front of you? And this is the final question that we can ask. Who's gonna get the credit? At the end of the day, at the end of our life, who gets the credit? Who gets the glory? Because we can raise our family and be a great family. We can be a Facebook family and look awesome on Facebook. Like that's great. We can be a great business and make hundreds of dollars for the king, thousands, millions of dollars for the kingdom of God. But who's gonna get the glory at the end of the day? God wants us to pour out our lives on, on Him and watch, us, watch Him multiply what's in our hands. As the team come, I just want to share very quickly. We just had the most incredible summer camp ever. It was awesome. Like summer camp, we had a move of God at summer camp. It was awesome. Hopefully your teenagers came back and they were changed and they made the beds. No? Yeah. Did the dishes, that's right. We had the most amazing move of God. And one of the people that really came and ministered at this camp was the amazing Cass Kander. And Cass was amazing. She preached. And in fact, next Sunday night, she's gonna be preaching here in Wellington. It's gonna be awesome. And she was speaking and she was ministering. And Cass is literally changing the world. She's, she's making a difference in the world. And she, she's using what's in her hand to make a difference. But she said, this, she said this one thing as people were on the altar call. This is somebody that could take the glory. This is someone that could take, it, take the glory. But she said from the stage, she said that you need to be planted in the Word of God. You need to be under leadership and you need to keep coming back to the house of God and building the house of God. This is somebody that is literally changing the world, but they understand that no matter what's in my hand, no matter where I am, no matter how much I'm changing the world, it's all going to be for the kingdom of God.